Okay, we have a um, few questions in here. When we were away and missed your lesson, can we get it in a library like we do at the university? Yeah, if you want to listen to um, most of my lectures, you can get onto YouTube. YouTube has many, many of them. You can get into YouTube. And also, if you get onto the temple's website, you can also get a lot of Dharma talks on there, my Dharma talks on there. It's www.buddhisttemple.ca. Sometimes it's encouraging to put on YouTube because you can see a response from YouTube. Um, it's been quite good um, uh, lately. A lot of people listen. There's a lot of material on YouTube these days. I think mass communication has a lot of pros and cons in it. The pros is, of course, we can learn almost anything. So it's been very helpful. But on the other hand, there are also cons about the Internet. Buddhist lectures or any lectures about spirituality, the clicks, maybe 10,000, 100,000, 200,000. But something, um, a song or something, I don't know, um, 20 million, 30 million. People like sensual pleasures. Uh, not a lot of people like to get into the spiritual approach of life. They just want to get senses satisfaction, instantaneous sensual satisfaction. The more you get into those sensual pleasures, the more you get into it. It's an intoxication. You think that, oh, I can click into it, and I see it, and I, I have the choice of not seeing it. But I can tell you, you don't have a choice, actually. Because if you don't have sensual pleasures, seeds in us, you wouldn't be born in the desire realm, the world of desire now. And this is not just Buddhism. Hinduism, Jainism, Taoism, they all have the same understanding regarding existence like that. Um, talking about sensual pleasures, 2,600 years ago, there was a prince by the name Siddhartha Gautama in India. Um, he enjoyed the most luxurious things in the world. He had a lot of concubines, a lot of materialistic enjoyment. He enjoyed himself in the palace and nothing but riches. But after a long time, after a while, he wanted to abandon those because he knew that he couldn't get, he was not happy, even though living in luxuries, living in sensual pleasures. Um, a lot of dancers and concubines and ladies were dancing, artisans were dancing around her, beautifully dressed and perfume and dancers and drums and music. At that time, maybe, it's enjoyable at that time. Then after a while, they, oh, they were so tired that everybody went to sleep on the floor and one was snoring, the other was saliva coming down from the mouth, and, and another one, so they were sleeping in such an awkward way that it's not beautiful anymore. It's ugly. It's, 
It's uh, human flesh, uh, Im not movable. It's a human skin that's put on cosmetics. It's a human skin that's so oily, but it was covered by perfume. Um, it's all an illusion. And he, he quickly realized that this is not what I want. He wanted to abandon all these desires, abandon all these things, and going to look for, to look for something. Plus, he knew that all these things are going to end. Aging, sickness, life and death, all this is going to end. He wanted to look for something that we can avoid suffering, that we can avoid life and death, not only for himself, for all his subjects, for all the other people. He wanted to look for something that would go beyond life and death, that would go beyond suffering, that would go beyond sensual pleasures, that would go beyond sadness. He was in pursuit of such thing. He abandoned all this and become an ascetic. Next question. What are the purposes and benefits of meditation? Thank you. Oh. It takes one year. <laughs> we have taken how many years? I think you have taken 10 years. You should tell us about what the purpose and benefits of meditation. I'm sure you, you, you can say about it. I would go to the Buddha. <laughs> yeah. What are you going to gain from meditation? Nothing. Nothing. In fact, you're going to lose some things. Anxiety, depression, jealousy, anger. You're going to lose that if you meditate. So you're not gaining. If you're looking for the purpose and benefits of meditation, you still have a purpose and benefit in mind. You want to get. How did it benefit me? What did I get? I want to get things. That's the problem. You want to get things. You want to acquire it. That's the problem. You point out not the purpose and benefits of meditation. You point out all our problems. If you study Diamond Switchwa, you know that there's nothing to be obtained. In nothing to be obtained, there's no thought to come up. Nothing. No thought. When there's not a single thought, something arises. It just arises. When there's nothing, 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 something arises. Not something that you want, just something naturally and spontaneous arises. What is that? Wisdom. Wisdom arises. And this is the wisdom to lead you to enlightenment. You're not looking for it. When we look for it, there's nowhere to be found. When you're not looking for it, when you're not attaching to it, it's there. Isn't that funny? It says, seek and thou shalt find. Well, seek and thou shalt lose. You lose and lose and lose. There's nothing else to lose. Something comes up. So Lao Chi in Tao Te Ching says, the ultimate purpose of learning is to lose. When you lose and lose and lose and you lose everything, oh, something comes up. What you gain is only knowledge. What comes up is wisdom. Knowledge can be gained, but wisdom has to be nurtured. Wisdom has to come when you free yourself from knowledge, when you free yourself from bias, when you free yourself from all these impurities and mental afflictions. The purpose of meditation is like, just like a mirror. The mirror is covered with dust and dirt. Meditation is to erase it, erase it, and erase it until there's none left. Losing the dust and dirt. Losing, 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 
until it's one all shining brightness. There was a, a monk uh, in the Chinese language, Da Zhu He had been meditating for many, many, many years, and one day he woke up and he got enlightened. And what did he say? My mind has to say it in Chinese first. I have a big pearl, bright pearl inside of me. It has long been locked up by dust and dirt. Now all the dust is gone and the brightness revealed. It is one brightness, radiance. You're illuminating the whole universe. That is your own universe. That universe is within you. All right, next question. What is Dharma? That takes 10 years at least. What is Dharma? Dharma is nothing. Dharma is nothing. Dharma is nothing. But Dharma is everything. And Dharma is to free ourselves from everything. If Dharma is to free ourselves from everything, then how can we talk of Dharma having a thing? But then Dharma originates all things. Then how can you say that Dharma is nothing? Dharma is everything and Dharma is nothing. One of the Dharma masters that I listened to says the whole of the Buddha's teaching are number one, 50% half is about really understanding the cause and effect. And another 50% half is once you understood cultivating oneself to break free from the cycle of birth and death, trying to attain nirvana. Is it correct? It is correct, but it's also incorrect. Because the Buddha talked about not only of cause and effect, many, many things. Cause and effect is, is one of the natural laws of the universe. And by understanding the cause and effect, yeah, I understand cause and effect. Whatever I sow, good, I sow good seeds, I got good, ka good karma, I got good results. When I have bad, then I have bad results. So does that mean that I always have to do good, then I get good results? Okay, if I do good, if I have good results, then I go to heaven. So I go to heaven and I enjoy all the pleasures and happiness of heaven. And then what? And then after you enjoy the happiness of heaven, then you still have to get into the path of reincarnation. Even the good is bad. Even the good has to get rid of. Get rid of the good. Of course, you learn to get rid of the bad things and learn the good things. But once you get rid of the bad things, you still carry the burden of good things. Even good should be got rid of, not to say the bad things. The good is polluted. That's what we mean by purity. Of course, the good things will entitle you to go to heaven, to be rich, to be beautiful, to be handsome, to be healthy, to enjoy the luxuries of life. Because you have germinated good causes, of course, you are entitled to good effects. But if you attach to good effects, if you attach to karma, if you attach to good, there's no no. The poor guy who was penniless, after struggling for 30 years, became a multi-billionaire. And he was up in the higher echelon of the society. And he was living in his own $100 million house with a lot of people and with a lot of luxuries. And he was looking out into the ocean and said, I'm not happy. I got all the money. I got all the materials. How come I'm still not happy? Bad things is unhappy. Good things is also unhappy. 
She's not happy with good things. It is when you're free, when you are free, then you are emancipated. When would you be free? No more good, no more bad, no more neutral. All that drops. When all that drops, I guess, for the sake of talking about it, something comes up. Many, many names for it. The Buddha nature comes up, wisdom comes up, prashna comes up. Why do we have all these names? Because you discriminate, we have all these names. If you don't discriminate, we don't have these names. We don't need these names. These names are there for you to mean it. Once you know, you don't need those names. I can answer your question. If it is that simple, I, I think many, many, many people would have become Buddhas already, enlightened already. 50% is this, 50% is that. So you've got you to gotta have a balance of 50-50. How about 49? 49-61? Maybe 40-60? Maybe 70-30? How do you weight mechanically? Is that weight accurate? You're still living in dualistic 50%, 60%, number one, number two, number three. You're still living in conceptualization. When you're living in conceptualization, that is illusory. That's not it. That's not it. There were two monks traveling to another temple, walking in a forest. One is a very enlightened, experienced monk. The other is, of course, a lovis monk. And um, all of a sudden, they heard quack, quack, quack in the sky, like Canadian geese, you know, big birds flying by producing sounds, quack, 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 quack sounds on the sky. And the novice monk said, oh, it's, look at that sound, look at that birds. And then the old monk said, knit his nose, oh, oh, painful. Get back to where you are. Don't get carried away. When he was meditating on a row, he was carried away by the birds of the sound. This is good, this is bad, this is beautiful. This is 50%, that is 60%. You don't need that. You've been carried away by the numbers, by the sound, by the sight, by the frequency. You've been carried away by environments. You've been carried away by figures. You've been carried away by correct, not correct. Anyway, next question. If wisdom is something we learn through walking our own path in the process of learning, we might have done wrong, bad things in order to learn what is good. Uh, that means if we always worry about the bad karma that we might have planted along the way when we learn, then we become paralyzed. The Buddha said, don't worry about it. Worry comes from the mind. Worry comes from the mind because you have the seeds of worry in you. Um, which. The reason why we come here because we have all kinds of seeds in our... When we say seeds, it's not really means a planting seed. It's, it's, it's an example. Hidden energy. We have the hidden energy of worry um, in our mind that's been built up from generations, from many, many reincarnations. When you think of something uncertain coming up, you always worry about it. That is in our seeds. When you worry all the time, that means your seeds of worrying have been quite significant. Try to build up all the good causes and just work accordingly. Don't worry. But it's easy to say don't worry. We still worry. But this is something that we should train ourselves. 
Sometimes a worry um, will come up and later you find out that worry, you should not be worrying about that worry. So you're wasting your energy in worrying about it. Whatever good comes up, it would come. Whatever bad comes up, it would come. Whatever will come is because of certain causes. You already have sold those causes, then you, have, you will get these bad results, or good results, we don't know. Um, you can change the past. Worry comes from something happening in the past, and you worry about, oh, it may similarly happen in the future. Something already happened that contribute to whatever bad things come up or whatever good things come up. Something already happened. You can't change the past. But you still can change the present. The present, you can work at the present. Usually, some people say, when a worry comes up, don't continue the worrying. Just drop it. Drop it as if it is something that you don't need. In the Chinese uh, ancient stories, there was... Um, a village in which there's a family. A family, an old man had, a, had an only son in the family. They had a, a, a horse ranch. And his, his son was training horses and one day he was tossed down by a horse and he, 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 broke, his, he broke his leg and he was limping. So the old man said, oh, we're very unfortunate. You know, my son is very active and lively and now he's, he's crippled. He couldn't walk properly. Oh, what a, oh, I, I it, it's, it's a tragedy. So the, the old man wasn't very happy about it. And then a few months later, um, two or three of his horses actually got out and ran away. Uh, we, we didn't know where the horses were. Oh, I lost, all my, I lost my herbs of horses. Oh, oh, it's another terrible thing happened to me. And I don't know why these things keep on happening to me. I don't like that. And then half a year later, uh, the nation wanted to draft young men for the war. And um, officers locked at the door. You know, we need to draft your son. Uh, and so the son came up when he was limping. Oh, your son is limping, so he's crippled. Oh, you're free. We don't need a cripple uh, as a soldier marching onto war. So, uh, well, we don't, we, we don't need to draft him. So his son didn't have to die. I mean, most people die in a war, but his son, because of a broken leg, didn't have to die. And then about a month later, the two horses that he lost, had a whole hundred and two hundred horses back. Oh, my horses went away, and then a whole herd of horses back. So all these bad things that happened actually contributed to good things that will happen later. So you saw something wrong now, it may not be really bad, it may cost you to have something better to happen. So don't worry about it now. And one of the techniques of not worrying about it is just to drop it. Drop it as if it, it, you don't need it. It's, it's an intoxication. I don't, need, I don't need these drugs. This is worrying about it is my mental drop. And because my, my seat of worrying is agitating in me, oh, I gotta stop this. That is because of some, what happened in the past. I can't change my past, but I can change for the future. How can we find a balance between trying, learning, and not doing any bad come a lot of time? We accept not intend to do, we don't intend to do. In the process of doing good things, you may have done some wrong things unintentionally. And if unintentional wrong karma is not full karma, there are four conditions 
to have a very strong karma. See, the karma of death, the karma of something really atrocious coming up to you, really strong karma, what happened only based on four conditions. The first one is intention, preparation, performance, performance and finality, final. Now, what do I mean by that? You have strong intention. For example, I intended to kill a certain per person. He had very strong intention. Preparation, he prepared for it. He prepared the drugs, he prepared the knife, prepared the gun, prepared all oh, this big preparation, plan on a plan on when was coming when is he coming back to for work, well where he lived, you know, he planned on it, prepared for it. And then actually he performed the killing. And finally that person is dead, was killed. You see this process? Now, if that person is not killed, for example, in the, in the final stage, then that karma is not strong because these four conditions not fulfilled. The last conditions, finality, not fulfilled. So it's not a completely strong karma. A completely strong karma is only happen when these four conditions fulfill. Now, if you accidentally run down a cat on the road, the cat was rushing on the road, and you couldn't stop the car. So when you look at this karma, you kill the cat, the karma is produced, but then you look, do I have the intention? No, I don't intend to kill. So the karma itself is not as strong. You have no intention of killing the cat. Have I prepared myself to kill the cat? No, I, I, I haven't prepared anything to kill the cat. No preparation. Third performance, yes, I killed the cat, but I don't intend to do it. I have no preparation to do it. Finally, the cat is dead, even though the cat is dead, my karma is not strong, but I don't have intention. I don't have preparation. It's just the cat rushed out and I killed him. Now, if the cat is not dead, for example, it's not dead, it's not dead. So the finality is not dead, even the karma is weak. So it all depends. Say so if you are walking on a cliff one day and you were looking, enjoying the blue sky and uh, accidentally you kick a rock and that rock fell down the cliff and hit somebody's head. And that man it hit somebody's head. Do you have the intention of doing it? No intention. Are you prepared to do it? I didn't prepare to do it. Perform it? Yes, yes. Accidentally I kicked the rock. Finality, the man is not dead. He just get hurt. So the karma is very weak. So, for a strong karma to come true, it has all these four criteria. If you really have these four criteria, the bad effect will come to you real quick. Karma is working within the law. It's just like in any contract. Uh, in any contract, you really have to have consideration for it. You really have both parties, uh, your uh, negligence or break of, a breach of contract. In karma, who is the judge? Nobody. It itself is a natural law. It would just carry that way. It's naturally carrying out that way. So if you have no intention of doing it, don't worry about it. You don't haven't prepared for it, don't worry about it. But you intentionally do it, really strong karma. Yes? Just a question, the Yeah? It could be the one who's being killed because he killed him before. So the, the, uh, it, it's burning off a, a, a bad karma. But then you also consider 
Which one is stronger? Say, if he was killed um, accidentally, there is no intention in it, but it's still being killed. But this time, this man, because of his background, he killed him intentionally. That means his karma is stronger than that karma. Then maybe he has to be killed again in the next life. He may be, you know, it, 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 it's, it's very difficult to find that balance. Maybe the whole law is working towards that equilibrium, which can never be rich. Um, maybe it can be rich. I don't know. Equilibrium, who knows? Maybe only, only the person who fully enlightened would know the equilibrium of, of all these things, the past, the past karma. So, so watch your, what, you do, what you do. So if you, if you accidentally kill it, with no, those four criteria are not satisfied, it's not a very strong karma. So don't worry about it. It all depends on uh, many, many things. Okay, next question now. May we not burn incense but have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with Buddha? You mean you can converse with Buddha? Can you tell me how? You have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with Buddha because the smoke polluted the environment and increased the chance of causing lung cancer. Yes, certainly smoke would pollute the environment and cause cancer. Some people have controversial uh, arguments about that. Because some smoke may be producing a medicine effect rather than causing lung cancer. It depends on what kind of smoke. If you're burning incense that is made up of chemical stuff, it may be quite dangerous. But if you are burning natural incense, like, uh, um, I don't know, there's so many medicinal uh, herbs, so if you're burning certain herbs, and it's been proven by Chinese sutras in Chinese medicines, those, that, that kind of smoke would cause you to, to heal. So there's, there's certain things like smoke healing. Um, because that kind of smoke itself carries frequencies that are molecules inside, and they get into your, into your um, um, respiratory um, um, system, and it's, it has a soothing effect. It has a soothing effect not only on your respiratory system, but also on your mentality system. That's the reason why some people get more calm when they, when they slip in something. All in all, it depends on what kind of smoke. And of course, if you want to choose not burning it and burning it, What's the options? Burning chemicals, producing smoke and not burning it. Of course, everybody will vote for not burning it because chemicals will be bad for your body. But if it's burning something that is producing medicine effect, that producing calm effect, and one single incense, I don't think it would, it would cause you harm. It won't cause you lung cancer with just one, one uh, incense. And we have meditators in, uh, in many monasteries that they have been burning incense for years and I haven't heard the one who was close to the incense burner uh, had lung cancer. Um, it's proven that cigarette smokes produce lung cancer clinically. But I have to wait and see reports on certain medicines burning um, would, would produce cancers. Um, but if you are at home, um, it's okay. You don't have to burn any, uh, any incense. Uh, 
But the reason why sort of incense is being burned, there are many reasons for it. One of the reasons is everybody has different body odors around yourself and different people varying perfume and sweating and all that. One of the objectives is to use a strong natural incense to cover all this different variety of smells. Talking about producing lung cancer, I think if you are applying bad perfume onto you, it produce cancer too. Not only to you, to your neighbors, to people who are nearby. So it's not just one reason for everything. That's the reason why I always mention in meditation classes, when you have jaw for a long time, don't come for meditation because we can't stand your sweat. It's terrible. I'm meditating by, by, the, by the side of someone who's, who's been sweating in jogging. Some people like to jog for half an hour. Oh, after jogging and exercising for one hour, I go into meditation for, for, for half an hour. Yeah, but I, we can't stand your sweat. You've been producing all this sweat we can't stand. And some people, the night before, they put on shampoo that is so pungent that you can't stand it. There's so many problems with body smell. Your shampoo, your perfume, your body sweat. I think that's more even serious than burning a single incense. What do you think? <laughs> I may be wrong. I won't argue on just putting one incense. I would argue if everybody wear different perfumes, it's become a world of not meditators, a world of different brands of perfume. Shampoo, yes? Oh, aromatic, perfect, yeah, oh, smell, yeah, aromatic, yeah. Yeah, it's in the ancient times, they burn natural products to get into, because it's very difficult to get into the respiratory organ. Only through air carrying the molecules inside and stick into your lung, lung wall and all that. That's how they, very clever, they carry the smoke inside the lung to, to heal. So it all depends. Don't buy any cheap products. I, I sometimes I come across some incense burner, it's terrible. Some bad merchants, they manufacture bad incense that is terrible. Uh, it, it kills your, your nose immediately. Okay, so just watched it. Next question. As a causation example of suffering in the human realm, do higher realms experience causation? Causation is a universal law experienced by all beings. It's not something induced by God. Conditional causation just happened that way. Um, does not matter where the ram is, higher ram, lower ram, you still have conditional causation as a natural law. Is it producing suffering? It itself is not producing suffering. But it's the essential beings who act on it produce suffering. Winter itself is not guilty. It's only the person who suffers from the winter storm, winter snow, feels the guiltiness of winter. Winter itself is so free from, from guilt feeling. Spring, spring itself is spring, but you attach happiness to spring. Winter itself is winter, but it, you attach your emotions to it. That, that becomes the problem. The problem is not with nature, with you.